where do you see you or your guest role within this Transmediale Media Arts Festival of incompatible systems? I guess I see myself as a token dissident. That's it. I, I'm pretty honored actually to be invited to attend Transmedia. I've always wanted to come. So I, I feel like I am just here as a, a participant essentially. The fact that I was on that panel was even kind of a little strange, but happy to be here. Um, what are the most compatible and incompatible concepts and systems that you can think of right now, maybe even concepts that you care about? Well, for example, this idea that we are supposed to live free, but at the same time we are supposed to submit ourselves to the most detailed scrutiny ever possible in the history of humankind. For example, by data retention and monitoring of all things that we do online. When everything that we do involves the internet, that means that we have to, for freedom, live in a totalitarian surveillance state. I think that those things are pretty incompatible and I don't like them at all. And a lot of the people here, I think, would agree with that if they stop to think about it. And a lot of them do with their art, which is quite inspiring. Um, art, politics and technology have always influenced each other somehow. Um, do you think that this interdependency and, and also irritation grew over the last years? And, and if so, how? Well, I think that part of what's happening in our society right now is the, is the sort of normalization of technology. And in a sense, what is technology? Fire is technology in the correct context, in the right continuum. And I believe art is a, just a matter of expressing oneself. This is the desire to express oneself. And so this idea of art and technology and politics, well, this is, this is something as old as humanity itself. And the technology just changes from our frame of reference. But realistically, these things, they're, they're not so dissimilar. They are sort of a part of what makes up human society. And I think Transmediala, one of the things that's nice is that you see people recontextualizing things we did not think of as technology, like old telephones. We don't think about this as an advanced technology anymore, but recontextualizing it to automatically connect people, such as the Revolution phone network that uh, Dimitri Kleiner and Jonas uh, set up here. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful, actually, to recontextualize that, but also to sort of deconstruct and to remove the notion that technology is somehow an other, that it is outside of our everyday life in some way, that's some, somehow special. Um, on the one hand, online and offline merges. Um, if you look at mobile connections and smartphones, we're all interconnected by technology. On the other hand, though, um, web culture seems to be incompatible with uh, traditional concepts of the real world. There's a lot of tension between traditional concepts and laws and web reality. Um, if you look at SOPA and ACTA, this tension becomes clear. How do you explain this, this contradiction? <clears throat> I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. who once said that everything that Hitler did was legal. There isn't a tension in society so much as there are tensions between oligarchs who change the laws and the people who have to live under those laws. And that is the traditional Marxist tension of class warfare and class struggle. And so in a sense, this isn't something that has to do with the web. It is that the web allows us to once again engage in that class struggle, as Marx would discuss, right, to break down the barriers of alienation. And I think I could be wrong, but one of the things that the internet does is it allows everyone to participate in a, in, in a way where there's an anonymous mass, so to speak, the great, the great anonymous mass, and not as an anonymity the group or anonymous the group, but the anonymous masses that exist through all of the world. And the fact that SOPA and ACTA are past in fact or attempting uh, to, to sort of rule over people without a real democratic debate is an example of how this is a top-down system. And the web is incompatible in some sense 
with top-down systems telling other people what it is that they're supposed to do in their name. But it isn't so much the web as it is the idea that there's an open space where people can fill it. And this is something that is quite strange for some people to confront because they're used to their proprietarian notions of a small plot of land. And that's how they relate to the rest of the world, a plot of land and a castle that they live in. And the internet is quite different than that in a lot of ways, especially in its sort of um, ephemeral nature. Things come and they go quite quickly. But, but the laws themselves are not even fundamentally against. It is rather people who are controlling those laws in their interests, such as the music and the movie industry. It is definitely against their business models because their business model is based on a proprietarian culture of exploitation, exploitation of artists and exploitation of consumers. And that is something where that tension is very strong and they're going to lose based on the fact that the people who will buy the culture will stop buying the culture from them and start creating it for themselves. And that's what's happening at Transmediala when people are on these panels or creating music or the shows or the art installations. They're creating and changing this notion of proprietarianism as the only way to relate to culture and to each other. Um, we have so far, or you have talked about a, a one-sided influence um, from offline to online. Um, wh what about the other way? I mean, where do you see a, a deep um, and sustainable change in, in politics, society and economy that has its origin really within the web? Um, where's the, the revolutionary power that, that people talked about all these years? Well, I think if we look at some of the things that have happened in what the Occident calls the Arab Spring, we actually see quite clearly that the Internet came to roost in the real world. For example, when Anonymous took over the Internet filters of Tunisia, the military dictatorship felt that, right? That was from the Internet helping the revolutionaries on the ground. And the revolutionaries on the ground used the Internet to further their causes. And we saw this actually happening across a lot of the Middle East, and it's happening right now again in Syria. And what it is, is traditional, uh, I think, Marxist solidarity. And this is a, a, pretty, a pretty common thing. This is sort of the eroding of this notion between the technologic and the, and the so-called real, the sort of physical world. And this is happening at a pretty reasonable rate in some countries and at an extremely fast rate in other countries. And it really depends contextually on where you are and where you sit. Germany has a very integrated sort of nets politics. Vienna has, you know, nets nets in the museum's quartier where they... They, they take the net's politics and net culture and then they use that to shift this incredible house, you know, where just down the street, you know, Gustav Klimt would make paintings. So I think there's quite, there's quite a, a lot of a relation and it goes both ways. And to paint it as only being in one direction is to continue to actually put a divide and to create this, this sort of, you know, alienation that I think that's a, a false dichotomy that doesn't really exist for most people, right? Like here we are in the real world and you are with your iPad and it's probably on the internet right now. It is actually, yeah. <laughs> so where um, are we then? Are we on the internet or are we in the real world? Well, like I said, I mean, these, these uh, concepts of offline and online don't really work anymore. It's, it's like it's merged. That was one of the, the questions. But um, maybe to, to sum up um, at the end, um, in what times are we now exactly? Uh, and where does this all go from here? What do you think? Well, we, we live in, in history, and we are creating tomorrow's history. I mean, I, I, I don't always subscribe to a, the linear theory of time, 
but I mean, we, we exist now and the culture that we're creating, I think probably people will look back on this as a, as a pretty serious information age. People on the panel talked about this concept of info war. I like to think about a time of in, info peace building. This isn't about war, it's about peace building. And I think that we live in a time where humanity is starting to recognize that despite the incredible differences in color of skin and gender and religion and even ways of thinking, we still have more in common than we have in dissimilarity. And this, this is a wonderful thing to see that happen. And the time that we live in is sort of a great melting pot in a sense. And hopefully it will also be like a cornucopia at the same time. That is to say, we get to retain our individuality while also understanding that every other person is the center of their own universe, just the same way that we are in our own. Thank you very much. Thank you.